Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32 read, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way. I am Pastor Bryce. I have with me someone who, and I'm not joking, this is full sincerity, I consider to have a great degree of personal holiness. This is my brother and fellow elder here, Mike Schaus. Thanks for being here, Mike. That's a great introduction, Bryce. Thanks. I feel the same about you. Well, only by God's grace. I mean, I am grateful. Grateful for all of our elders in that sense of meeting the standards given in 1 Timothy and Titus. Pray for us that we'd excel still more. And to that end, we've been considering this whole quarter, personal holiness, Mm. our own growth, both your elders who are in this with you, and of course, for everyone in the body and anyone listening to this who is a believer, we are all striving to grow, to really change, to be more like Jesus. I think, the, sorry, I didn't yeah. you, the first yeah. chapter in the book you're, pre, you're presenting this quarter, uh, Jerry Bridges, is called Holiness is for You. Hey, that's it, right. I forgot for about that. Yeah, I remember that. If a Jerry Bridges agrees with me, then I am right, right. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, and we have looked this quarter thus far on the podcast at what holiness is, so we've defined it, we've given reasons why you should be holy, and we've looked at how to become holy, and we're coming now, we're landing the plane, we've got four episodes left, and these are all a continuation of how to be holy, but I wanted to give four very practical episodes, so I want to not just live up in the air and be ethereal and all of that, but really, how are we going to grow? And the four examples of sins that we're striving to overcome in these podcasts. The one today is bitterness, overcoming bitterness, but we'll also do pornography, anxiety, and grumbling. So you may or may not be greatly tempted by bitterness. If you're not, you know people who are. So hopefully this will be a helpful episode. I thought we'd get started by just kind of defining bitterness. You could find actually good books on bitterness. In fact, Pastor Viers up at Faith Church has written a really excellent book so if you want a fuller treatment of this subject, it's overcoming bitterness. Is that the one? I know that some of our wives read a book on bitterness together. Was it that one? I don't know. It's I remember it was black and it has a white title and it just says bitterness. Huh. I wonder which one. I should have asked yeah. them. I should, yeah. They liked that one, whatever it was, but it might have been this one. But regardless, Pastor Viers has a really good book. Uh, Steve Viers, Overcoming Bitterness, came out recently. There are other ones as well. So you're not going to get a complete treatment here. But I thought we would just sort of semi-define bitterness here in a very non-literal way as an infected wound. Mm. I think that's a good comparison of what bitterness is. So to have an infected wound in a literal sense, you have to get hurt, physically hurt. And that's true of spiritual bitterness as well, is you get hurt, you might really have been wronged, or you might just perceive that you've been wronged. Either way, you are hurt. Mm. We all get hurt, but we have to deal with that hurt somehow. Our bodies deal with being physically hurt by trying to heal the wound. Sometimes that works great. If it doesn't, if the wound doesn't get healed and then forgotten and dealt with and so forth, then it's in danger of becoming infected. So bad bacteria gets in there. And when that happens, instead of the wound healing it actually starts hurting more than it did before. Hmm. And it's a 24-7 thing. I mean, you might not always be feeling it, but if you've had an infection, you know, you got a cut, it gets infected, 
it hurts. If you touch it, if you touch it, so you might not be thinking about it, it's fine, but something touches it, rubs against it, it hurts a ton. You're reminded of it. You can't function normally. It just has a big impact on you. So that's kind of what I want to compare bitterness to. It's when that happens in a emotional, spiritual sense. You're hurt, gets infected. Mike, I wanted to ask as we're defining this, when you think of times that you've struggled with bitterness, do you think this idea of an infected wound accurately describes what you've experienced? Or can you think of a better way to describe it maybe? Mm. I can remember my soft, my sophomore year in high school, uh, I decided I wanted my ear pierced. I still have the hole. And I was going to pierce it myself in my bedroom. And I used a safety pin and I stuck it through my ear and closed it because that was like really punk rock, which is what I was, right? And it got so infected. My, oh, my ear was like bright red, like the you know that later that week. And I remember like if any, if I ever touched it with my hand, it's like oh the whole thing. It was so gross. It was awful. But you know today here, I still got that ear pierced, <laughs> which I'm always wearing earrings in. I'm not, but uh, so yeah, bitterness. Uh, okay, that's. An infected wound. That's a really gross analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Help us to see yeah. how gross the sin is. <laughs> That's right. That's true. I think of, uh, I don't know, I think of bitterness. I think of, um, remember Ruth, her mother-in-law, and she's like, Naomi. Don't, yeah, don't call me Naomi. Mm-hmm. Call me Mara because of all the stuff. You know, she's lost so much. She is now bitter over this. Um, infected wound. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, it, you know, it's a good, pretty good analogy. Probably like the time when I was like the most bitter in my life was uh, when my wife and I lost our son Peyton. And it wasn't so much as the loss that that was part of it, but it was that my wife went into this month-long depression where she just couldn't get out of bed and cried and cried and cried. And I became very bitter about why would he do this to her? You know, I don't understand. She is such a loving, kind, gentle, you know, she's very laid back. (laughs) We're talking about, you know, not being laid back with holiness, but she's very, very laid back. Um, And so like, why would he do that? I became very angry at God over this. And really I had to wrestle through, you know, come to a realization of God's goodness, right? You had to understand God's goodness. He's doing this to purge something, not only out of her, but also out of me. The fact that I was becoming bitter, bitter about it showed where I was at and how I needed to grow in that area. Mm. It's kind of like <clears throat> in this life, we're all going to get hurt. Sometimes sometimes the hurt is a genuine hurt where someone's really wronged us. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, and you've got to deal with that. So that's just part of life. Other times the hurt is a perceived hurt, even in this situation where you're dealing with theodicy, you're dealing with how can God be good and allow something like that to happen. God didn't do something wrong, we know in an ultimate sense, but when you're living through that experience, it sure feels like it. Yeah. So then you have that hurt. And there again, those hurts are really, in a sense, a normal part of the Christian life. I think the idea of infection, gross as it is, <laughs> is helpful because when something's infected, you can't just move on like everything's normal. That's kind of the point. So a severe infection makes that really clear. But even smaller things that are infected... It's always there to remind you. And so if someone's struggling with bitterness toward God, it's that they had something they were wrestling with. But whereas even in your case, you worked through that, you fought it, you dealt with it, and it's not infected anymore. Mm -hmm. But sometimes those kinds of hurts or even perceived hurts get infected and then you live the next 20, 30, 40 years of your life. Yeah. 
What's that verse in Hebrews? Hebrews 12, you know, don't let... The root of bitterness. Yeah, don't let it take root. Yeah. When it does take root, it gets inside of you. It it hurts all those around you. It's not just you it infects, you know what I mean? But you infect all those around you. Springs up and many are defiled. Yes, many are defiled. That's right. Yes. And that's the hard thing because when you get an infection, you need antibiotics. You need something to deal with that. And there's a sense in which if you don't, you could die. Spiritually, there are a lot of people who just carry those infections of bitterness with them, maybe not knowing what to do with that. They've been hurt, and it's just stuck. From years ago, it could be parents, could be betrayed by friends, could be anything. But I think that's the benefit of considering it an infection is it. how do you know if you're bitter? There's a sore spot, and it's still there. And you can try to ignore it, but it comes up and comes up. Someone once said, Bitterness is the poison that we drink, hoping someone else will die. Mm. It's very self-destructive. It's not logical necessarily, but it's just something's wrong. Something's hurt. Something very deeply. Well, if you're listening to this, maybe you've got some of that in you, some of that bitterness. And the question, of course, is how do you not be the person bitter 20 years from now? How do you heal from that? Like I said, there are fuller treatments in some books that you can get. But I thought we'd just start here by asking you, Mike, some of your own bitterness, even that example you gave or other, other examples, how have you dealt with bitterness in your life? Hmm. Well, so when you mentioned that book that the elder wives all went through, they decided like they needed to do this book, you know, they were dealing with bitterness over the split, right? Over all these things that people, wounds of friends were saying about their husbands. That's a tough one. That's really for me, like, you know, I, I can deal with people saying things against me pretty easily, but when they affect, you know, when they say things about your loved ones, it's really tough. So I understand why they were going through that. And I felt like, you know, at that time I wasn't struggling with bitterness. I mean, yeah, I was angry, which I guess is in in a sense part of, part of bitterness, but God had already prepared my heart years ago through that situation with my wife where you know, I came to the realization that I don't understand why God does certain things, but I know that he, he does all things for our good, and he's using this for whatever reason, this hurt, right, to produce good in us. And so I knew that we, all the elders that were here, were all believers and, you know, pursuing holiness. So I knew that it wasn't like a sin issue in, in, in us, right? It was a hurt of a friend. And so, and I knew that, that even on the other side, that they are also Christians and believers. So, you know, it was us obviously not, not living right. We're not living that union of Christ, but I know that God was using it. It was God producing this for whatever reason for our benefit. Mm-hmm. That's good. Just an awareness of God's sovereignty affects how we deal with hurts quite a lot Mm -hmm. if you think that you've been hurt and there will be no justice and there's no reason for it you know i feel for people in that position who think that way i mean that's hard what are you going to do with that i work so i work in in public education right and i just tell you that you know i work with a lot of people that aren't aren't believers and so like whenever they promote like this usually like people that become like department heads or principals, it's not like what you've done is who you know, nepotism, you know what I mean? And so when they see this person promoted, they get so bitter, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, to me, it's like, if God wants me to be promoted, he's going to promote me right now. I'm just going to do the best I can in the position I'm in. But that almost reminds me, and I think it's the end of First Peter chapter two, and it's talking about Jesus. 
when he was being mistreated on the cross, how did he respond well? Because that's similar where yeah. you're being overlooked for a promotion that might well best go to you. Like it best serve students, it best serve others, but nepotism or something gets in the way, happens all the time. It says that Jesus, when he was threatened, he didn't threaten in return, he didn't revile. How do you do that? It says, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Yeah. Which is what you're saying. I think about those who were, were persecuting him and crucifying him were those he came to save, right? But he, but he knows. He's like, I'm, I'm trusting myself to God. I'm trusting his providence in this. Um, I've got here three principles written down that I've mostly just stolen from various places. So these are, none of these are original, but I don't always remember where I stole them from. But these are three principles, and what we're talking about here relates pretty closely to the second and third one. But if you're someone who's struggling with bitterness right now and you really want to get past it, these are just some principles to consider, three of them, that you may find helpful from the scriptures. Number one, we will call the replacement principle. And that passage I started with, Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, is at the end of a whole passage in Ephesians 4 that is all about putting off and also putting on the opposite. Don't steal, work and give. Don't lie, tell the truth. When it gets to bitterness, it says, don't be bitter, let it go away. And, and then it gives you the put on. Be kind to one another. The replacement principle is that you can't just stop being bitter. You have to stop being bitter and start being loving and forgiving. It just will not work. Nature abhors a vacuum. Actually, Ken Sandy in his excellent book, The Peacemaker, says... He talks about the replacement principle, and he says, It is very difficult simply to stop thinking about an unpleasant experience. Instead, we must replace negative thoughts and memories with positive ones. So when we're bitter about a person or an event that happened, like you just did, literally, when you talked about the split, you said, and I know they're believers. You're dealing with bitterness in part by replacing the way you think about them with things that are true and are good. Do you remember that book you just had us read last quarter of uh, The Praying Life? There's a chapter where he's talking about that guy in his church. Mm. I think his name is Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you mean. Yep. Yeah, and he's like, you know, when I started praying for Bob, specific prayers for Bob, and then God brought those things in his life, Bob's things in his life to help him, like, get past not liking Bob, but actually end up loving Bob. And mm. yeah, That's a wonderful example of it, where he was not just saying, stop being bitter about Bob, who was just a harsh critic. Mm-hmm. But he was actually serving him, and that yeah. made a difference. Yeah. There Prayer. are. How amazing, huh? It is true. Yeah. There are some cases where someone has been, let's say, abused, mm. where this replacement principle is a real challenge. Because you think, what even could I think positively about this person? Or if I think positively about them, they'll take advantage of me again, or it puts me in danger, or I don't have my guard. So you do have to work through some things there. But it's true, though, if, if you only maintain the sense of hurt within yourself, and that's mainly what you think about, you can't just get rid of that sense of hurt. You do have to replace it. And if, if it's not, at least at first, in some of those harder cases about that person, I mean, they're made in the image of God. You can just start there. But if that's difficult, you could just start with where you started, Mike. Replace those thoughts about that hurt with the sovereignty of God. God is in control. So the replacement principle, that's one. Number two, I will call the absorption principle. And this one, I can tell you who I'm stealing this from. It is Tim Keller. 
in The Reason for God and probably elsewhere, he talks about how every time we forgive someone, we are in a sense absorbing the wrong that has been done. Even if the person tries to make things right, the wrong still happened. And so there's a sense in which when someone's wronged us, we don't want to let go of bitterness because we're holding on to it because it's just so wrong what they did. They should suffer for it. And our bitterness can be an attempt. Like I said, I drink the poison to make them die, but it's some kind of odd attempt in our own mind to hold them accountable, to make them feel bad, cold shoulder them, think mean thoughts about them, even if you don't see them. Whereas really all forgiveness at the end of the day does involve this absorption where I choose to absorb the pain that's mm-hmm. been caused. We're not talking about a light forgiveness. This doesn't mean like, oh, just forgive your abuser. I go on like nothing ever happened. We're not talking about that. There are consequences. But I think recognizing if you're holding on to bitterness because they should feel bad for what they did. Mm. But you should feel bad for the sins you did. And Jesus absorbed all that pain for you. That's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. Hey, was was this the book where he talks about Rachel Din Hollander? I don't not in this book. Oh, okay. But he's probably talked about the same subject yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, she she wrote a her, her husband wrote a paper about how she was able to forgive Larry Nasser for all that mm-hmm. abuse over the years. And actually at his at his trial, you know, she's like, you know, she's part of the trial to persecute you know, to not persecute but to prosecute. Fa- prosecute, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he is guilty, right? But but she was so kind to him. Really, when you hear her testimony against him, but she is talking about, you know, I, I'm able to do this because Jesus forgave me, right? I forgive you. You still need to be punished for what you did, and you, and you can't be allowed to keep doing it. But, you know, she was hoping that he would he would see that. It's almost like taking a situation unbelievably difficult and choosing to reinterpret it. You can't just think, here's a horrible situation where I've been wronged, I'm the victim, and she literally yeah. is a victim, literally. I'm a victim here. And you can just focus on that aspect, which is a true aspect in this case, and bitterness can grow. Or you can reinterpret, re- not change the reality in any sense, but you can just realize I am a part of the most important story, which is not just my story in this time and place, but it is the story of the gospel. And by doing what Rachel did... Mm-hmm by absorbing the pain, by forgiving, or if someone's not asked for forgiveness, at least offering forgiveness, standing ready to forgive, by putting yourself in that place and absorbing the pain of it instead of trying to make them pay and feel pain, you become like Christ. You replay the gospel story to be able to see yourself as, I'm replaying the gospel story for Mm. people. So instead of, I can't absorb this, that would just be wrong and painful and horrible. Well, yeah, it would be painful and horrible and terrible. But that's the story of the cross that we do that. That's good. The last principle. So you've got the replacement principle, the absorption principle. The last one's related to the second one. And I will call it the justice principle. And it is that passage from 1 Peter 2 where Jesus, when he's suffering, he doesn't revile in return how he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. If you have a very strong sense of justice, my wife, for example, has a very strong sense of justice. Things that are wrong need to be right. They shouldn't be wrong. They should be right. And that's a good thing. But if you have an especially strong sense of justice, it can just be incredibly difficult to let someone off the hook, even in your own mind, because you think they need to pay for what they did. They need to, they did a wrong thing. 
They cannot get away with it. And sometimes that's what bitterness feeds off of, especially if someone has not admitted the wrong they've done. They've not asked forgiveness for it. They just move on. Then inside you think, I cannot forgive this. I cannot stand in an attitude of forgiveness, that is. I cannot let this go. I cannot have this wound heal because then they get away with it. And so you feel like you've got to hold them accountable by just destroying yourself with bitterness. But that's the point of 1 Peter 2. The way Jesus dealt with it all, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How are you going to make an excuse for your murderers? It's only because he was entrusting himself to God who he knew was judging justly and would judge justly. That's good. Also, as much as it depends on you, be at Mm. peace with all men, right? I mean, I can't change them. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Scripture says that God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And so Mm. in Romans, Paul says, so leave room for the justice of God. Leave room for his punishment, for his vengeance. It's that very thing. Either you can try to get even or you let God get even. And God is just so much better at getting even than we are. So we should just let him do that. Now, I know these aren't easy things. You may be someone who's dealing with intense bitterness right now over a wound. It could be decades old or fresher than that. And maybe this all seems a bit naive and cliche and hard to imagine how it would attack really the depth of the pain that you've experienced. You may be someone who's just never dealt with bitterness, big or small. You get hurt and it just immediately turns into bitterness. Whatever the case may be. May God help us all now to think this way. 